Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. All right. Happy Friday. Welcome in. Hello, Daniel. Hey, Andrew, and happy Friday to you all. Glad you're here with us today. Good to see you all. A big show ahead of us today. If you listen to our show on Wednesday, you know we're uh, going on a little, uh, not rabbit trail, but a different trail uh, for the next few weeks with these Friday episodes. Um, We're talking about the idea of doctrine. And so often, I think, Without thinking about it, we think of a word like doctrine and think that that's separate from the way we would live our daily Christian life, that there's the mental component where we uh, think about God and Christianity, and then there's the actual Christian life where we do uh, like actual life. But really, as we're looking more into it and this, these ideas of what we believe, we think that's kind of a an unfair line to be drawn and that really, in the true Christian life, what we believe and how we live are intertwined in the most crucial of ways. And really, what we believe will um, directly inform how we act and how we live as Christians. So we're going to go down that rabbit hole here for the next couple of weeks to see why do we believe what we believe, and as a church, what should that mean uh, for us as we live our uh, corporate, if you will, Christian life as a church and on our uh you know, personal walks with Christ. So we actually, last week, we recorded an episode starting uh, talking about the inerrancy of Scripture. And really, um, afterwards, it it hit us uh, both in different ways, but we kind of um, jumped the gun in ways that we will uh, explain later as we tease into next week. So we recorded that as part one, but that will end up being part two. So any um, continuity errors will be uh, explained by that. So uh, because of that, we started that episode with a a word about doctrine, what is doctrine. So um, real quick, just in a sec, because we'll hit it in the next episode, but what is uh, doctrine, Daniel, and why uh, why is it important? Just very briefly. Yeah, when, when, when I think about doctrine slash, you know, some people may say theology and those words can be intertwined at times even, I think it's just basically the, what I would say is uh, generally speaking, the fundamentals of what we believe according to what God's word says. And, you know, theology coupled onto that is study of God, the understanding of, of him, you know, it all kind of intertwines itself together. Like what, what are the, the, the foundational pieces? What are the bones and the structure of why we do what we do? Uh, and I, and I think, you know, the scripture makes a lot of things clear when it comes to doctrine and, and how we do things, how we approach things, why we do it the way we do. Uh, and even in the, in doctrine, scripture is, is fundamentally and monumentally important in us as a church and aligning out right doctrine, I think. And, uh, and so that, that kind of is, is a lead in, I think for us as why it's important that our understanding of Scripture is right and why we want to talk about the inerrancy of Scripture today, because if we chip away at that part of it, then our doctrine can be compromised as a result of that. So uh, very good, very good topic today and very excited about it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, some of you may think, why Scripture at the top? And you began to address that and did. Um Really, we could start at a variety of places, and even in Scripture, it starts and ends with the person of God, obviously. That's what theology is, the study of God, and in that, the person of Jesus Christ is central to Scripture. So if you think about it as a a spider web, at the center is going to be God and Christ and everything surrounding that. So that is most important to our faith, and we're not, by covering Scripture first, saying that Scripture is at the top of the list in terms of how we would profess our Christian faith, because that does take it out of order. It's crucially important, but it's not necessarily at the top of the list. But there is a reason, I think, both theologically and apologetically, as we're going to go into that, uh, Scripture is a very good place 
to start, and it kind of clears up a lot of a lot of uh, a murkiness in terms of uh, how we interpret God and how how we know God. So yeah. that's kind of why we're starting there, even though it might be more towards the periphery of the importance or you know ranking the important doctrines. It it serves us well to be at the top of this kind of a discussion, especially as we're getting into topics of who is Jesus Christ, who is God, and how does that affect our daily Christian life. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think the key to remembering it all is who wrote the scripture, right? So, you know, you speaking of God at being the sinner, yes, that's true. And one of the beauties of the scripture is God's revelation of Himself in the scripture, and Him being the the author through the power of the spirit working through mankind um, to 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 present a, a complete copy for you and I of his holy word. And so uh, you're right. I mean, it is it starts and ends with God. It's all about him. And he is the he is the king. He is at the center of it all. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that's one of the incredible things about the word is God reveals truth about himself to us through his word and and that's why we we hold on to it so so dearly because of that so absolutely yeah and that's kind of the it is the foundation on which we stand as yeah. we say so uh, so i wanted to i talked to andrew i wanted to pitch a question because you know scripture speaking in light of the inerrancy of scripture you know in in our world today, there there is a lot of different opinions about scripture. Like what you know, there even is this concept of we'll take parts of it, but we don't. We'll reject other parts of it, and uh, and so so many everything you know, so much of what I know and where we stand leans upon this. But there are people that reject this altogether, and and I I was just asking Andrew a little bit before we we kind of got started recording. I had this experience one time that I would say I didn't handle the best. I could have definitely done a lot better, but I was a little bit knocked off balance by it. I was in the in the military, and we were doing some training in Alabama, and there was this soldier there that I was talking to him about scripture. And and uh, and and in kind of the beginning of the the time that we had together conversing, he made it clear to me that he didn't believe the Bible was true. And and you know, for me, I I thought you know, in the moment, I really felt like a deer in headlights, if you will, just just kind of stumbling and and being knocked off balance and. Okay, but uh, I I believe that the scripture is inerrant. I believe that it's all true, and it's all pro- I believe what it says. So I found myself kind of at this place where I was like, well, okay, well, what do you? Because inevitably, apologetically, as he mentioned, even speak, you know, we're going to come across people that say opposite of us when we're talking, when we're thinking inerrancy. And I just wanted to ask Andrew just so he could kind of talk that out. What do you? What do we say, just to kind of segue into the inerrancy of Scripture, what do we say to those people that don't believe Scripture, that don't, how do we, how do we segue into a discussion on showing them and revealing to them why it is, in fact, inerrant? It is, in fact, absolute truth. Right. It's an important question, and um, one that we're going to face often. Even theologically, the scriptures say that uh, the devil has blinded the eyes yeah. of people of this world, and that uh, it's the gospel's foolishness to those who are perishing. So there's this attitude where, on a spiritual level, people aren't going to be automatically open to the gospel, and it's not uh, necessarily something that we can consider a, a matter of presenting the facts out there, and people are going to be completely even logical in choosing That's right. yeah. um, Christ. So we have to start there. And I think there's there's two ways we can lead from that. One is to be, uh, you know, not uh, logical about things at all, which is the wrong way to go to spiritualize scripture in terms of people won't be able to, or, you know, to, to logically choose it. So why not write reason and logic at all? And that might be the wrong thing. But the other way is to not bring the spirituality into it at all and just say uh, the, the Bible's true because of this, this, and this. Um, and there are, there, there are ways, but I think we the reason we thought we might have erred last week and not given the full picture of the, uh, the oomph, if you will, of the doctrine of inerrancy is that um, there is a lot of proof that the Bible has has been historically preserved 
in that the words of it and just the the uh, you know the mechanics of how it was passed down are very uh you know very strong and that we can believe that even the the english word that we read today is very fundamentally faithful to the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic words that were written originally uh, thousands of years ago. Yeah. And that in itself is phenomenal. But if we stop, or start and end there, it's an incomplete picture of what the whole doctrine entails. Um, so that's what kind of we want to get into today. And it is true that it has been passed down from generations, and that in itself is amazing. We yeah. talk uh, more about this in the next episode, but there's this uh, discipline called textual criticism. It's uh, just acknowledging the reality that uh, the Bible was written by different people thousands of years ago. We don't have any of the original uh, text that they writ- wrote um, today um but that's okay because those were well for one written before the printing press was invented copied by hand so many times that uh you know uh, the things that you write on they wear out after extended use and they were copied thousands upon thousands of times throughout history and scholars now can take a look at these documents and trace them back throughout history to uh figure out which ones are are more true to the original, which ones are aberrations and so forth, and kind of more of a scientific process of figuring out what was written in the original to where uh, we can say because of an abundance of manuscripts that, um, you know, copies of the original written scriptures that we have a great representation today, inerrant even, if you will, to the fundamental doctrines of the faith. And that might not mean completely precise. Obviously, you're not going to get, it's not a hundred percent and this and, you know, word by word, completely accurate, but that's not what the doctrine of inerrancy says at all to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and to, um, the, the the text of the scripture, it's coherent and inerrant in what it says. And that's as much of a uh, you know historical doctrine as it is a spiritual doctrine. But on the um, historical side, you'll, you'll get a lot of pushback in terms of the Bible is just fantasy, it's mythology, and it it's uh, you know it's just written by people to get power, like the Da Vinci Code, da Vinci Code or something like that, which is just uh, it's easily disproven in terms of the resources that we have today, and even in in terms of the ancient Greek. Uh, you know, works that we study, you know, in, in school or um, read in high school, there is far less proof even of of those writings or like those people existing than it, people like Jesus existing or right. these events happening. So historically, we're on very solid ground. And that's where we spent most of this next episode next episode but really it goes deeper than that to the actual text of scripture and we believe doctrinally and spiritually that it is true and that's even a big thing today in terms of even what is true we're yeah. looking at a very postmodern relativistic culture and yep. that even uh, can seep into the church where a lot of us can be functional uh, universalist in terms of uh you know, we we believe this, this, and this, but ultimately believe that everybody is going to heaven if you're good, and kind of it's easy to let that seep in. But we see really that Scripture has other things to say, and it presents a clear message to the reader through different genres of literature and different ways to one unified gospel that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, the promised Messiah to make right the wrongs of Adam and Eve in the garden, and that this unified story of history centers on Christ and the glory of God in Christ. And with that, it it presents a clear, um, well, for one, path to eternal life and one clear gospel good news to us that there is a way to be made right with God again. That in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sinned against him, and thus brought death and uh, sin into our lives, suffering. Yeah. And that's how we, we, we see um, so much tragedy and, and, and sin and evil in our world today is because of that rebellion. But in Jesus Christ, there is that redemption, and it's clear that Jesus Christ is the only way. 
Um, and I see it just compiled a few scriptures here. Psalm 96, 5, and this is in the Old Testament, it says, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Uh, John 14, 6 says, and this Christ speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 6, 67 and 68 says, Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Acts 4, 12 says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 8, 42 says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. Uh, John, uh, no, First John two twenty three says, "No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also." And First uh, John five twelve says, "Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God um, does not have life." And then uh, finally, here Luke ten sixteen says, "The one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me uh, rejects him." who sent me. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that Jesus is one with the Father, comes from the Father to earth. So to talk to those people who say, I don't believe the Bible, I think oftentimes really, for one, we're not giving the Bible a true shot in the sense of yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't know what the Bible says. Yeah, that's right. And if it's in that sense, we have plenty of Ammo. That's the bad word, uh, wrong word for it, but plenty of grounds to explain why the Bible is coherent. And we might be even jumping the gun talking about inerrancy as a doctrine because there is beforehand the doctrine of inspiration of Scripture that yeah. God Himself inspired, expired, if you will, the the, the words of Scripture or the uh, you know even the uh, the concepts, the words to human writers. There's coherency and infallibility. All these are tied up into what we say is inerrancy, that we can trust the Bible is a unified word of God to us that is worthy to be trusted and the ultimate word on who God is and what his plan is for the world, for his glory, and for us. So if you're saying you don't believe in, in, in Scripture because you don't believe in God, that's par for the course, but I think... Really, we're seeing a lot of misinformation, uneducation, and just people not being informed of what the Bible's for, what the Bible says, and what God's trying to say through it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I I think that when I was presented that question, that's probably where it came from. I mean, and, and it also can, it also can, uh, you know, kind of filter into the, uh, excuse, category as well. I just don't want to, mm. I'm not interested in really knowing. And so I'm going to use that as an, I just, I'll just throw out there. Um, I don't believe, but you know, you're very right. I mean, when we, when we speak about inerrancy, there's a lot of things that are tied up in that. And you know, the, I even think about the fact that the, the contradiction component, the, the lack thereof of contradiction within the scripture, you know, when you're talking about writing things and recording things over such a span of time as what the Bible was recorded and, and written down over, I mean, the, the, the chances of the, of no contradiction and 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 things being so timeless the way that they are as you read rather older new testament we know there's a fulfillment of the old covenant in Christ and a and a new covenant and even in that progression every single component ties in so well i mean like the the sacrificial system of the old testament and the fulfillment of that in Christ and how like books like hebrews comes into play to kind of to kind of mesh those together and 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 show us in a clear picture that he is the great high priest and and he yep. you know i mean just everything is so cohesive and i mean it all like there's no way i i feel like that mankind could on its own our own could do something like this you know even isaiah prophesying of christ and how he would come and even his appearance like his physical like how would you right. know that all those years before Christ even came to this earth and be spot on in in what he would suffer and how he would look and how he would be received like there's no possible way that normal man would know that information i mean we don't know what's going to happen in all reality 5 minutes from now i mean we really don't we can make large assumptions but we don't know 
Uh, and so I think all of that stuff is a great indication. I even think about like, so if you go to specific parts, like I, I, and this is something that really sticks out to me, like Jesus. Well, how do we know, how do we know that Jesus wasn't just a man? Because there, there's a lot of differing opinions. There's yeah. a lot of other books and, and studies that you can do that may indicate that, that he was a man. You know, if we go to some other religions like Islam, that he was a prophet, that he was just a, you know, but, but the reality is I always look at the response of those closest to him. Mm-hmm. in the scripture and and historically you can even go back and you can find out like how did they die what did, and 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 the reality behind hey i if this wasn't real i mean maybe one or two people might have missed it and given their life for it but you're talking like 10 11 i mean you're talking a multiple people that walked beside of him were martyred and took it to the death like and and, right. and you know I even think about components like that like if there wasn't something with that many people statistically speaking even logically speaking would that many people really be willing to hold on to that after he was gone and resurrected and and just continue with it even though persecution was incredible even though the pressure was incredible even though yeah. death was on the horizon but I mean, like I said, one or two, okay, maybe. But this isn't one or two. This is this is several that 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 walked with him, that experienced and saw and took it to the grave. That this was truth. And those that didn't, like the Apostle John, they they experienced exile. They experienced. I mean, and, and even some of the ones like right after, like think about like the Polycarps of history. You know that. Yeah. Uh, that may have not been at the same place as the apostles, but was right there in the midst, of, close to what was happening. And even he was martyred, you know, for his faith. And so, yeah. I mean, I just think that the the evidence is really, if you give it a chance, if you get into it, like you say, is just really overwhelming for the scripture being absolute being the word of God. And I even find myself at times going back into like some of the struggles of the old Testament and, and seeing God's instruction. And a lot of times people say, well, that's the old Testament, but they're, the things that they face in the Old Testament are a lot of the same things that we face today. The, the the instruction that God gives there about, you know, being obedient to him are the same instructions that we're called to do to live in Jesus Christ, the same yeah. instructions that were fulfilled in Christ in his life here on earth. Like everything is just incredibly tied together and eternal in purpose, I think, because, you know, I, I was thinking we covered first Peter uh, and it, you know, First Peter, he references the Old Testament talking about the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And it just seems so, so consistently true that yes. we face something and it's like, all right, well, this is a problematic, sinful scenario, clearly. And then you go back and you see that there are people in history or in the past that have faced the same things and that God has said, this is what you do for this, or this is how you handle this, or this is the repentance that needs to be had. And like, and then Jesus comes along and he does it, he rocks it, right? Like he does it beautifully and perfectly and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think what you said is true. It doesn't make it really easy necessarily in that moment to be able to address that one yeah, that says, yeah, that says that like, I, I don't believe any of it because chances are they've already erected walls and, and put up blockades so that, that you can't get in there and they're not willing to hear it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, I guess the reality is it's still worth being spoken, even yeah. if they say, oh, well, I don't, because that seed, if that seed gets through just one seed and it, and it spurs a thought or you're, you know, it begins a thought and, and they, they start digging in, like you said, they give it a chance and they don't just deny and reject. If they hear anything that makes them get back in, the power of the Lord and his word can do amazing things in people's lives if we'll just give it a chance, I think. It does. It does. And it really, what the scriptures are doing, and you you illustrated this well, is that it ties together our contemporary ideas of faith and like real life. You yeah. know, all truth is God's truth. We God's the God of truth. So uh, our our tendency might be for someone who denies the, especially the the spiritual parts of Scripture. If we think of Bi- the Bible as it as it is, you know, primarily a a spiritual book. Yeah. If we find people completely atheistic or agnostic, our our main 
their tendency might be to throw out that kind of argumentation or that line of reasoning altogether and just go to the side of, well, we see that this scripture is what it said originally because of this, this, and this historical argument. So we see that, uh, you know, this scientific argument points to this being true in scripture and that because of all these feasible physical proofs of science that this is true. And that is partially the case, but what Scripture does, Scripture doesn't separate those two things. It's saying that the things that happened did actually happen, and there are real spiritual truths undergirding that to make these spiritual realities true as well. They're all on the same field. So we see that, you know, you mentioned John, or the apostles, the disciples actually existed, actually died, and there's physical proof of that being the case uh, and very strong. It's not like we're reaching for all these historical proofs. It's there and it's real. We'll cover that more in the next episode. But if we stop there, then that's an incomplete picture of both this doctrine and our greatest witness as Christians, because we might, you know, tend in that to go to a place where we think we can convince someone towards faith without actually having them believe that Christ is risen from the dead, right? If we convince them that the Bible is true and they don't believe Christ is the Savior of the world, then they're still going to go to hell either way. What Jesus does in the Bible is take it the full direction, say, these things did happen the disciples did exist, did die. The you know they were uh, crucified. Some of them. All of this actually happened. And as well, I am the creator of the world. I am existing from the beginning yeah. of time. I created time, and Jesus did actually rise from the dead. Yeah. Like he's actually alive today. So we're kind of doing ourselves for one a disservice if we think of that in separate ways and i've definitely done that for a lot of my life i was born and raised in christian school and um not not to any fault of them but you go you know to science class and one time frame then you go to bible class and those never really interacted and it wasn't their fault but that's not the case with scripture it's all one story yeah so if we go there, it's 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 not necessarily a, a case. If someone doesn't believe the scripture, you're not going to more easily convince them of the like the deity of Christ and the resurrection by showing them how scripture is factually accurate. Yeah. Because that's not the gospel. The gospel's not to be morally good or factually accurate. It's to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who yeah. rose from the dead. So it ties in great with what you know or trying to with what you were saying is that really it's not just a historical faith that we believe it is a spiritual faith and those two are one yeah 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 and 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 i think it's all supportive of the truth i mean it yes. all it all leads us to the same place if if we give it a chance and uh, and it all brings about an importance of with that understanding, the importance of the the absolute truth of all of the Word of God, because just like with the with the doctrine of Christ or or, or the gospel, you know, if we take any part out, it impacts the rest of it. You know, I mean, yes. I think a, a lot of a lot of uh, times you hear things about differing opinions. This is another. I'm not going down this road too far, but on creation and on God's part in creation, and uh, you know, at the beginning of the Bible, it clearly says that in the beginning uh, was God, right? And or it, it, and I'll go to Genesis one one, and then I just think about this because if we if we leave any or get any part wrong, or we start taking things out, then we compromise everything else. And, you yeah. know, in the beginning, God created the the heaven and the earth. So uh, there is a lot of discussion floating around in our world today about that very beginning. Like, what did that look like? How did yeah. that, was it, you know, an evolution discussions out there? And there's a, uh, and, and all that, whatever, whatever that discussion is. But the reality is, is that the scripture says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, God, 
Okay, if we mess with that and we start doing, then that changes everything about the rest of it. Yes, uh, and and you know Jesus says in John one one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So it's like okay, so it once you start pulling parts out. You you are going to damage the the beauty and the truth and the absolute uh, standard that the word upholds and stands for. And so I think I think that it, it it's that's why that God says like things like in Second Timothy three sixteen for example all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness. God says things like that because he takes it he knows how important it is he knows it's his complete work he knows he has revealed truth about himself that's so important and we don't have the authority and I think that's where the spiritual component and like we talked about on Wednesday the the concept of fear of God we don't have the authority to just say you know this mm-hmm. is of non-importance like like that just that that that's not something that we can i don't feel like adequately do when you properly understand what the word says about mankind what the word says about god what the word says just about truth in its entirety like like we just can't do that we try to do that and we we are a people generally speaking that love loopholes but but <laughs> god god doesn't allow for that in the way that he writes the scripture many times he's just he's straight uh, mm-hmm. and, and the the entirety of it, as we've already said, works together and and complements one another and is cohesive. And and so we have to be. And that's what when we talk about doctrine, when we talk about Rolling Hills Baptist Church or us as believers, it's why it's so important that, that there's a word that floats around called context. Uh, and it even floats around outside the Christian realm, but context is so important when studying Scripture because if that is lost, we have this tendency to pull things out or to go around things when it just doesn't make sense contextually to do so. Yeah, uh, and then you get in all kinds of variations of doctrine and even theology sometimes, and sidebars and rabbit holes. And if you just stick to the absolute truth as God has written it, or as God has revealed it to mankind to write it down, the the process, then then it's solid. It's it's awesome. It's truth, and it's something that we can stand on even as as culture shifts and changes. It always applies. That's right. And it also gives us context personally into our standing before God and our role even in the scope of history as God made it and as God defines it. We were just reading out of Romans 9 um, a couple of days ago in our Bible study about, um, you know, it says that, uh, who are you to uh, question or to question God, essentially, yeah. that the potter doesn't, or you know, the, the clay doesn't say to the potter, "Why'd you make me like this?" Yeah, because that's not the role of you know, clay can't do that. Yeah, um, and we see in that that that's kind of how Scripture presents us before God. So I think that's that's really why we start here, and we thought it important to start here as a a launching point to other doctrinal conversations is that while you don't have to be an inerrantist scripturally to be saved i don't th- i think that's fair that you don't have to have that doctrine absolutely to be saved if you don't have it it puts you on very shaky ground in terms of how you interpret who god is and how you interpret who you are and how yeah. to know god in the world if it, it, and not to say that it's, I don't know, it's it's a slippery slope, and it kind of has to be. If you're not, if you don't have any concept of this doctrine, of the Scripture being true, if this isn't the ultimate authority in your Christian life, then there's less reason to uh, hold to things that are both controversial in here, that are countercultural, and to see God even as someone who is holy, perfect, and yeah. separate, because it's hard to even hold to a doctrine of inspiration and not hold to a doctrine of inerrancy 
at least in some form. You know, those two kind of have to coincide as far as I've reasoned it through. Yeah. I think, well, and I think there, there is a difference too. I mean, to what you said about being like, there are people that probably don't understand the inerrancy of scripture, but have heard about Christ. So they may not have a copy of the scripture that they're not studied it. So, and yeah, definitely possible to be saved, but yeah, it's really hard when you talk about someone that's read it and, and because if you, if you don't believe in the inerrancy, but you're just going to pick and choose and then you choose to follow Christ and in the background, you don't believe that all scripture, then, then it would kind of beg the question, well, then why are you choosing that one? You know? So, I mean, it's, yeah, it is a slippery slope, I think, but, uh, I do think, I wouldn't say it would be impossible just in the beginnings of, of stages for you to see and experience. And that's, and that's one of the things I think that, that if you're a believer, it's not a problem, uh, by and large, I don't think, because you've experienced it. Like you, just like Jesus being risen from the dead and being the Savior, when you meet him, it's not a problem because you, you've you met him. You've experienced the risen, that you've been forgiven. You know what that's about. And, and so that personalization of it, that relationship component of it, and that's why we, we kind of break away from the concept of us being a religion because it's really more about the relationship with Christ uh, in our understanding of him that, that, that we are all about being close to him. Uh, and, and once like, like for you and for me and, and for many that probably are, are listening, like once you see the scripture come to life, and you spend time studying the scripture. Yeah, I mean it's timeless. It's incredible. And the the depth of the truth that's contained within, even though people may want to say, well, this, you know, may, may want to bring out different points, I've experienced it, so you're not going to change my mind because it's 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 living to me. Right. right. Uh, and and you know, so so this kind of concept for those that may be lost or those that may have not experience that like like that's why we're covering the area that we are because okay let's say let's you really can't take the spiritual component out but but let's say we're talking about just historically yeah i mean there's validity in the in the historical accuracy of the things uh, of the truths as well and you know Mm -hmm. i spent i spent a time or a season going into the book of daniel or going into the book of like zachariah and and lining out like all the things, the specific time frames, like trying to, and it was incredible to me to see like how they hit. They may not have mentioned them specifically, but they would say, they would say things like indicating components of this time frame or something like that. And I would mm. go in and be like, oh well, that was this leader, and this is when this happened, and they and like so even those things, like when you talk about even world empires that Daniel saw visions of that God gave him, like. You know, from mm-hmm. Babylon to Persia to Greece to Rome, I mean, just spot on. And you go back and you see, yeah, I mean, that's a reality. When when right. you think about like Constantine and Const yeah, Constantine and, and and making Christianity the the religion of the day and the impacts that still re- I mean, when you think about all these components that just that the that that work around and 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 these empires that the Bible foretells of, I mean, mm-hmm. on so many different levels, I think you find the accuracy of Scripture uh, to just hold true. And and so I think whatever your background is, and when if you give it a chance, go back to what we talked about, kind of at the, what you talked about, mentioned. If you get a chance, if you dig in yourself. Uh, whether it's the living word through the spiritual component and the power of God through it, or you dig in and you just try to line it up with historical facts and accuracy. I mean, the Bible just holds true and can stand on its own in in the Lord, you know, it's just incredible. It is incredible. And um, I think it is important to note just God's design of the scripture. We note that inerrancy, well, to let's just, spend a moment and further clarify what inerrancy means. I think growing up, there's often a misconception of what inerrancy means that, uh, in my mind, disqualified it before I knew what it actually was. So for one, inerrancy does not mean exhaustion. Obviously, there is 66 books to scripture. It is. It does have a beginning and ending, and it does, even John, uh, in the book of John, it says, uh, if there would have been, if everything would have been written down about Christ, 
there isn't any amount of books in the world that could properly address it, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, and and we see even, you know, scientifically, everything that could have been covered is not. And that's on purpose. The Bible's still inerrant, meaning that while it's not exhaustive, it is complete for our faith and uh, belief in Christ, that all we need to know to believe in Christ and to follow him and to know him is in here, yeah. and it's complete for our belief and our um, knowledge of God. And I think in that, it's important to note that um, it's not uh, just one uh, rule book in the sense that it's not written with bullet points, A, B, C, D, this is how you live. Yeah. It's not written uh, in, in, in all poetry, even though there is some poetry. There's a lot of different literature, uh, you know, things related to literature going on, different genres of literature that happen in here, which can really explain a lot of, um, you know, what people may say are contradictions in the scripture. How can this say this and this other passage say this? Yeah. And um, some of the, those are discussions, obviously, and you'll hear that. Yeah. Or uh, how can uh, you know God uh, say to kill all these people in the Old Testament and still be a good God? Yeah. And uh, these are all, we work through these questions yeah. and yeah. there's a lot and we're not necessarily going to get to all of, or maybe any of those today. That's not that what we're trying to do here. And we'll, we'll link to some um, of those resources in the show notes. Um, but with that, all that being considered, we believe the Bible is inerrant ultimately because Christ is the center of the whole of Scripture. It's yeah. not just a laying out of facts about God, and it's not just a history book telling what has happened and what will happen. Yeah. That's not the point of Scripture. The point of Scripture is to show that Christ is the Messiah. It's a book for belief, and we should lean into that, yeah. especially we, we have a tendency to lean away from that and that our faith, or to kind of uh, play on the same ground as our, you know, our, our neighbors do, or even other religions. This coexist mentality that all roads ultimately lead to God, yeah, and tend towards universalism is that we can separate the inerrancy of Scripture in our belief from our faith, yeah. and think our faith in Scripture is something that we have to read into Scripture to interpret it in a certain way that we believe in Christ. No, by inerrancy, we believe that the Scripture inerrantly points us to Christ, and that is the point of Scripture. And that doesn't make it less viable. It doesn't make it less historically accurate or less inerrant. But we can't shy away from the fact that it was written for belief yeah. and towards belief in God. It was written with that bias, yeah. and that in itself makes it inerrant. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I think that... Yeah, obviously, things you referenced, everything is not, every single detail of all of time is not referenced. Right. Uh, you right, know, right. but everything that we need to be a people of faith, everything that God would reveal to us about himself, uh, everything when he, when he talks about the great rescue mission in Christ. And, and that's the reason why I think he, you know, he shares things and, and prophetically to, in the Old Testament to point to G, like every, like Jesus is the hero. I, I, I reference superhero, you know, but he's kind of the, he's the hero of the story, right? Like, cause it's, it's yeah. the only faith and religion where God comes down and suffers at the hand uh, of mankind so mankind can be saved and rescued from slavery and bondage to sin and from an eternity of separation. Like, like he is the one – I saw a preacher one time that had a ladder and, and, and he put the ladder in the middle. This was at a youth conference. He put the ladder in the middle of the stage and he was preaching uh, to all these students and he, and he had this ladder there and it was just sitting there. And, and, and eventually the point was – most all other, if not all other religions, they they line out how you can work to climb the ladder and reach God. Mm. But in, in our story, in this wonderful living word, it tells about how God came down to dwell amongst us right. so that through him and him alone in Christ Jesus, we could have a relationship with God. We could be reconciled to the Almighty God, and, yes. and so that's what Scripture it has. It has it contains everything that we need 
that God would would reveal to us yes. for all of time. And even though, like you know, people spend a lot of times in the revelation compartment or department of the scripture, even though right. we know it does prophet prophetically tell us or, or reveal to us things to come. I mean, it is such a challenge to understand all the details of that. But one thing that we know is true because God tells us. That like in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father. So we know without a shadow of a doubt, because of our faith, because of the inerrancy of Scripture, because of our trust in God, that for the child of God that's been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, that there is an eternity of being, of worshiping, of uh, of just being in his presence that is coming for the child of God. And and we know he lines out how it's going to play out, but but the the big picture is that we can be redeemed because Jesus died in our place and Jesus rose again overcoming victoriously over you know overcoming death and hell and 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 allowing us to have the opportunity to be reconciled with God, adopted into his family and to spend eternity with him. And so it's yeah it's huge and and it's it's not universalistic in mentality uh like like you referenced already which is kind of the culture of the time like we want yeah. they 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 drag us and they want us to say universalism like just pick your path to the top of the mountain where god dwells yeah but that's not what the scripture says at all i mean but it doesn't mean that the story isn't incredible it is incredible. Like he, God is, you know, Second Peter three nine says, God is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him. So it gives us this picture of incredible love for mankind, incredible grace, incredible mercy. Yeah, and in the context of that, it also tells us that there is a way. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have to do, it's not guesswork, it's solidified, it's absolute. And Jesus said, hey, it's me. Uh, you know, yes. and, I, and I love that because I, if, if, if you're somebody out there that's even listening to that, that's trying to sort through all the potential ways that the world presents to you, that's confusing, uh, that's, that brings about stress and anxiety because it brings about this question almost, what if I get the wrong one? Mm, yes. You know, and 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 so when Jesus says what he says in that popular verse in John 14, 6, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for just making it abundantly clear mm-hmm. that 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 he is, just like you said, scripture is trying to draw our attention to God's wonderful plan of a rescue mission. Right, right. That was fulfilled, completed, established in Christ Jesus as he is the risen Savior. The tomb is empty today, and and that's the reason why everything that we're going to do is going to come back to Jesus. That's the reason why this podcast is called The Jesus Follower, because Mm -hmm. that is the direction that God leads us in this perfect word. It is, and it really is all or nothing. And yeah. we can say there, there's no way to hedge your bets when no, it comes no. to the Christian faith, and that's very intentional. Yeah, and yep. we're not. Well, that's why Paul says in the Scripture that if we're wrong, we're the ones that are need to be most pitied. Yeah, because yeah, it, it would be real foolishness if this isn't the case. Yep. And you have to really dive in, like essentially. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, it means by saying that, that you don't believe anything else is the Messiah, the Savior, or the way to heaven. It's one way or the other, and that's what we see. And uh, really, it it does inform how we read the Bible. If Christ is the center, and that's at the core of what Scripture is, then you're not, it's not going to suffice to turn to Ephesians, grab a few verses, and that be it for the day, and just live in the epistles or the things that are easy to live off of, you know, be a good person, because that's not going to satisfy, because that's not the point of the scripture. And that's why, you know, it's it doesn't obviously work to top into Deuteronomy and read a few verses and say, I got my dose of God today, because it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't often play into what we see as what you know, should be our motivational words sometimes, especially as the world presents it to live our Christian life. We say that the scripture is unified in 
pointing to Christ. So yeah. even when it doesn't talk about Christ, it's talking about the law in the Old Testament. It's all a picture of what was to come and what is to come really in Christ. Yeah. Um, that me, is the purpose of it. Yeah. Let me just throw this out there just real quick. It just popped into my head. And so yeah. let, let me give you a specific example of this. And I think it would be beneficial uh, just to show how God works uh, way back with Noah and the ark. All right. So uh, you may say, you know, that's that's way back at the beginning. Uh, you could even go back farther than that. But God begins to set a precedence um, of, of a couple things with Noah and the ark that that also is going to point us to Jesus and his design in this rescue mission. And I yeah. think it's worth because that's that's hundreds of years, right? Like that's many, many thousands of years before before Christ is going to come probably. Right. So it's, uh, and, and if you look at that, you see, you see the component of sinfulness, uh, which we're going to find in the gospel is, is the beginning of realization, like, like at, at times of our need for something else. Like we, we do make mistakes. We do fall short. And you definitely see that in the story of Noah and the ark, like the world was sinful and, and mm-hmm. destruction and judgment was going to come because we were offenders. We were uh, uh, doing things against what God said to do way back at the beginning. And, and so God tells Noah to do this crazy thing. He says, "Build, you know, build this ark." And mm-hmm. you know, it hadn't rained, and 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 there was probably all kinds of confusion with the whole concept of it's taking you years and years and years to build this ark for what? What are you doing? Nothing's happening. Why are you doing it? Right, right. But then there, there, there was one. So the ark represents one, one way for salvation. Uh, mm-hmm. The ark also has one door uh, that was entered and exited uh, that God was in control of. So when, once, once the door was closed, nobody was riding canoes and hopping in the ark after the door was closed and the rains came, right? Like, I know mm-hmm. History Channel may tell you that, but the Bible does absolutely not tell you that. Does not tell you that. So, uh, so what that indicates to us is that as it that that points to Christ because Christ is the door, right? Like he's a, he he is the one way. He says that right. Yeah, I am the door. Yeah, right. and so he he is the one access. And again, God has has established that. Like that was the plan. Uh, so it's not like that after we die and go to judgment that we're going to find, we're going to ride on our canoe to another door mm-hmm. and, and knock on it. And people are just going to be like, yeah, come on into heaven. Like that's, that's not, yeah. there was one way established way back in Genesis by God to, to find salvation. And that was in Noah's context, the ark. Right. But again, how incredible is that, that that points to what God's one way was for all eternity in Jesus. Yes. There, there, there's, there's one way of salvation for mankind still today, like God established hundreds, thousands of years prior. And that is Jesus, you know? Right. And, and just like you've been saying, like, that's the thing. That's the beauty in this scripture is like, you can't help but see, we still have a problem of sin. We still deserve judgment today. But as God in his incredible grace, mercy, and faithfulness has done all throughout time, yeah, there's a way. Right, right, absolutely. And I think that it could, both ways are true. That for one, the ark actually did happen, and God was holy and perfectly good and right in that, even just as an event in itself, while still pointing to something greater. Yeah, I think yeah. what we can do too is say that uh, the the ark was merely a picture, and that it didn't actually happen. It's just a picture the author used to go forward yeah, to yeah. Christ. But really, both can be true, and both are true. Absolutely. We affirm the you know the uh the the historical and actual significance of that event as well as moving forward and really the the emphasis then lies in the author's um portrayal of the event he yeah. didn't spend a lot of time on all of the animals on the ark even though he could have gone oh, you know yeah. this this animal was in there this animal was and that all be true and inerrant but what he did was like you said paint a clear picture yeah. so it's obvious when Jesus says i'm the door yeah. that literary in, in in like a literary sense, like you're yeah. reading a book, that's echoing back to the ark. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm the one way. And that's yeah. just remarkable. It is remarkable. It's and, and and all throughout, like I mean, you even think unblemished sacrifices, 
in in Leviticus when you get to Exodus Leviticus and God's establishment of that, and then you think of the unblemished land, the precious blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. I mean, like it's just over and over again. Yes, like you said, and like we've discussed, and that's and that ties into the beauty of this book and the complete the complete work that it is by God, the inerrancy of the book because you. Everything, I mean, it all is pointing. And then you get into the prophets, and you see clearly, yes. Hey, I've, I, yeah, I've got this redeemer. I've, I've not forgotten you. You know, I mean, he's going to come. There's not going to be anything that's going to draw you physically to him effectively, like you. And then he's going to be wounded for our transgressions. He's going to be bruised for our iniquity. Yep. Uh, you know, the government is going to be. I mean, I'm going into different sections, but the government is going to be upon his shoulders. shoulders. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting. Yeah. You know, and, and and you see that like everything is like, man, God has got this incredible rescue mission for us, this incredible gift of an incredible Savior and sacrifice. Yes. And and it's been given, he's came, he's rose again, and he is seated on the right hand of the Father. He has finished it. Uh, and for you and I, it just says, look, hey, man, this is a gift. Like This is an incredible gift, for an eternal gift. And, and for you and I to see that and know it and do nothing, that's that's a tragedy. Yeah, because he spends an entire he spends a book trying to get us to see in his like we don't deserve it, but in his grace and his love, he spends an entire book trying to say like crying out, "Please see this. I right. want you to be saved. I want you to be redeemed, and I want to be reconciled to you. I will adopt you into my family." Yes. But the 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 standard is the standard. Uh, and there is a way, but it has to be his way. It doesn't come as a result of our thought and our decision making. It comes um, from from an almighty, all knowing, all powerful, uh, amazing God and Father. Absolutely, yeah, he does. I, I hope this wets your whistle for the uh, coming weeks. Where this podcast is called the Jesus Follower, and we're un- unashamed about the fact that we're going to. Uh, point you towards faith in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. That this is not just merely a uh, unbiased look at these topics. This drives us to belief, and we believe that he is the Christ. We're following him, and we want you to join us there. And with that, especially as we're talking about this, I think this is important too, that I've heard of people leaving the faith entirely by misunderstanding the doctrine of inerrancy and then seeing, uh, you know, historical things like, uh, you know, even, I don't think of any specific examples, but say like in the Old Testament, it said it was five feet long, but actually was three feet long. Or that, uh, you know, I've seen maybe the, uh, in math or uh, in the gospel account when they're going for the census that Cyrenius might not have been the governor of Syria at the time. They see those things that might not be historically completely 100% exactly the way they were and abandon the entire faith because of it and say, I can't trust the scripture because of that. And we don't believe that's what inerrancy entails. We believe there's room for these because it has been passed down through centuries and centuries and centuries. So it's not necessarily a slippery slope to say, you know, to leave a little bit of room there and say, even if some like, measurements aren't correct or if some historical details aren't a hundred percent accurate. And oftentimes we find after the fact that they are like, like archeological discoveries have been found to reveal people that have existed that they didn't know existed before that are listed in scripture, yeah, yeah. you know? So a lot of these things are fluid as we discover history yeah, and what yeah. actually happened. But don't, it's not the scripture is not hinging on all of the little um, you know, measurements in Deuteronomy or whatever. It's hinging on Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. So stay with us in that. And if that's a thing in your mind, don't, that's no grounds to lose faith in Christ because of those little things that may or may not even exist. Yeah. And, and, and also, like, even with some of the names, you know, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to track, like, because names change and, they're called by different things, and so you really some sometimes you have to really dig, 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 dig uh, to try to really grab. But like you said, uh, it's uh, it's it's proven true. Uh, but you sometimes you have to just sort through it and, and try to figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's definitely those are are minor. You know, I would say the the, the minor things and to abandon all all faith because you may read one and not have an maybe not even have an adequate understanding of what it's saying and be able to effectively track that 
down. Yes. It just seems like a huge stretch to, to walk away from all and forsake and abandon. So I'd say that's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and, and, and the big, the big thing, I mean, is, is Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is the, is the, the climax of the story or of the true, true living word. So, yes. Yeah. And we do believe in that, that all that is the, essential doctrines that we're going to discuss in here are a hundred percent worthy to be trusted inerrant and trustworthy absolutely and we're going to get into that in the coming weeks so i hope you'll join us next friday we're going to be talking getting into more of the weeds of what translation should we choose i have the christian standard bible in front of me daniel has a king james in front of him how does that cohere with um the inerrancy of scripture if they're saying two different things in english we're going to get into that and more of the uh the way it was passed down uh, to us from where it was originally written, and yeah. uh, we'll go from there. We don't know exactly where we're going to go, but uh, <laughs> hope you'll join us for it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be with you. And, and and really for this one, I know, and for these doctrinal things, I mean, comments and feedback is uh, is a welcome yes. thing. Uh, just be gentle, okay? No, I'm just, <laughs> but uh, but uh, we because I know there's things. there's probably even as people join in, there's probably a lot of different opinions, a lot of different thoughts. Yes. And, uh, and really we just want to, I mean, the word for us at rolling for us and at rolling Hills Baptist church is the foundation. I mean, that is, uh, that is our doctrine. That's where we, we stand on that. And, and in that you find, uh, information, revelation of Christ and, and God and all that. So, uh, and then the main things, but, uh, just to say, you know, if you got some things, just, just reach out and we'll be glad to, to address and answer the best we can. Absolutely. There's only so much we can fit into an hour and we're not, uh, exhaustive in our Absolutely explanation not. here. So, uh, yeah, you can find our emails in the show notes and, uh, you can learn more about our church. We're from Rolling Hills Baptist Church in Fairfield, Ohio at four Fairfield, F O R Fairfield.com. And um, yeah, so we'll be back on Monday. You're going to be preaching, I assume, Lord willing, and uh, back on Monday with a sermon and Wednesday for more episodes. So thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Have a great week.